Do you struggle to find answers to your pelvic health problems? Do you feel silenced in your quest to just feel better? Women, girls, sisters, if you have experienced infertility, PCOS, incontinence, painful periods, sexual trauma, and so much more associated with the pelvis, then Women's Pelvis Wellness is a place for you. Me and experts from around the world are joining here to get you the answers to the holistic health that you have been seeking. Please join us in being a pelvis wellness warrior. Today I'm introducing Dr. Juwan Michelle Martin, and she um, does several things, and you are based in Atlanta, Georgia? Atlanta, Georgia, correct. Atlanta, Georgia. I've never been there, but I plan to come someday as soon as we can <laughs> travel. Um, and Dr. J, as her friends call her, I'm a friend now. <laughs> yeah, you're a friend now. <laughs> yeah, I'm a friend now. Um, she, is, she does several things, but you are a pelvic floor specialist, pelvic floor mm -hmm. PT, and correct. a doula also. Correct. And it's also interesting because um, we were just talking beforehand and you see pediatric patients. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I would just be really interested in um, because I was one, like, I just kind of wonder how you treat, you know, a child versus an adult and do they have the same conditions or are there other things to look for? So this is probably going to be a plethora of information and I love learning. So just... I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you first and foremost for being here. Um, pleasure to meet you, finally. I know we've communicated for some time by email, but it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, like you mentioned, I'm Dr. Joanne Michelle Martin. I am a pelvic floor physical therapist based in the Atlanta area. I'm also licensed in New York and Florida. Um, I am also a doula and have trained um, with have received my training through Dona, um, but I've also done obstetric training as a part of my um, physical therapy training. So um, doing prenatal, postpartum, and intrapartum um, training and so on. So I've been doing, I've, I've supported births over the last two years, um, but more specific, but have, you know, I've never, never really advertised because the thing with supporting births, babies are really interesting people. You just never know when they're going to come. <laughs> so it's kind of, it makes that scheduling thing a little tough, but, um, but I've really wanted to do a lot more of that. And especially because of the recent climate and, you know, the issues with black maternal mortality, um, just yes. want to do more in, in that arena with maternal mental health, with maternal, um, health, sorry. Um, and so, yeah, so jumping, jumping more into the doula role with that. Um, I also am a women's wellness coach. Um, I've had training in functional nutrition. I've had training um, in coaching, wellness coaching. And um, I really do enjoy that because I think, you know, coming from the therapeutic side, that's one thing, you know, where I can, I can put my hands on you or I can give you strategies or education with regards to addressing a specific issue. But then when it comes to wellness overall, you know, we get to dive a little bit deeper into you know, your lifestyle, um, 
general nutrition. You know, I will tell people all the time, I am not a nutritionist. I am happy to refer you if you want specifics. But when we talk about general nutrition and how the body responds and how your hormones as a female can respond to certain things, um, talk about movement and mindfulness and um, just having a greater sense of awareness, which are things that I think sometimes we lose sight of in our usually pre-COVID hustling, bustling society. Um, and then, and then the, the impact that that can have on our bodies and our health. So I really enjoy leaning into that with, with women, um, and just helping them to become more aware. Um, I work, um, in a clinic setting as well as virtually. So I see people in person. I'm currently in my clinic only one day of the week right now because of COVID. Um, and you know, so I'm like, yeah, we're not going into the clinic that often. And, and a lot and you of you also, clients, you have a family at home too. I sure do. And school starts week after next. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so I, I, I'm going to be in school with the kids because school is from what time is it? 8 15 to 2 45. So my butt is going to be, you know, squished between their butts <laughs> at the table. So doing work. I've got a kindergartner and a second grader. So the schools are virtual or are you homeschool anyway? We're virtual. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be interesting to kind of, in the spring, it was a little different. In the spring, our teachers were really awesome. They would kind of front load all the work and assignments. Um, and so they were, they would tell, you know, this is for this day or whatnot. And then on the given day, you kind of went through all the things that you needed to. And if there were any quizzes, those had to be done. But everything had to be done. They would either front load them on on Sundays or Mondays or post them early in the morning. And you had until like 9 p.m. to complete any assignments, you know, quizzes or whatnot. And that was a little bit easier, you know, because I was seeing patients virtually um, throughout the day. Um, So I've had to tighten up my schedule a little bit more to accommodate the kiddos. But, you know, it is what it is. Roll with the punches. And I mean, honestly, that's, that's kind of what healthcare is because everybody is so different. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, a 40, like me, a 40 years old, three babies, all by C-section. If we all walk into you and there's five of us, we're all going to be a completely different case. So we have to learn to to adapt pretty quick. Got to learn to adapt really quickly. You're right. And I mean, I welcome it though. I mean, I'm looking forward to, you know, my son's going into kindergarten. It's new. He's excited because he told me the other day, he's like, mommy, I really miss my friends. And I was like, I know, buddy. I know. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for him to be. And the funny thing is, is when he would have Zoom meetings, but not for pre-K, but not as often as a sister who was in first grade last year, but, well, school year. And um, every time she'd have a Zoom meeting, he was sitting on the couch next to her and she's like, go away. This is my <laughs> Zoom. I have a call. Okay, you know when mommy has a call and you leave her alone, I have a call. And I'm like, oh, God. That's (laughs) adorable. So he's excited now because now he gets to be on his own calls, you know. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. But I see clients virtually. I've Mm -hmm. I've always done that. My practice, started my practice about two and a half years ago. And when I started it, because they were young, I wanted to have a practice that could help accommodate my life as a mom. Um, and virtual, a virtual practice allows me to do that. And I was also seeing, um, some moms in person at that time, I was only doing home visits and those were reserved for my pregnant and postpartum women. But I also had a lot of other people, um, outside of my driving range that wanted to make appointments. And I, initially I was just referring them left, right, and center. And then I was like, you know, let me, let me look for a space. So 
Um, so I see people in the clinic. I, I do home visits for my mamas and I see people virtually and I've enjoyed it. I love the flexibility. My clients enjoy the flexibility. Um, and so it's been a really awesome thing. Um, and I get to do all that around my own schedule with the kids, you know, and the house and the dog of which yeah. we might have a second dog this weekend. So fingers crossed, um, <laughs> you know, as not like I don't have a, a lot of stuff to do already, but, um, so our practice, my practice, I see men, women, and kids. Um, and everybody, you know, most people often go, what do you see kids for? Yeah. The kids have pelvises too, guys. Exactly. They have pelvises, you know? And so typically with the little ones, you know, if, if I'm seeing them a lot younger, it's going to be the parents who have concerns about potty training. I'm definitely not seeing them for long periods. There are some kids who may have some existing GI issues or whatnot from very young. Um, most of the time when I'm seeing those families, it's going to be more in a consulting capacity, educating them and then getting them to the right professionals. So we're talking three and under, you know, are you, you know, do you have a GI specialist? Okay, let's get you connected there because oftentimes there are things that may happen that the pediatrician is not seeing. Or the pediatrician, you know, me, you know, I, I've worked with kids who have um, disabilities and, you know, especially if there are neurological issues, oftentimes things can go missed because it's, oh, this is just a part of your diagnosis versus, okay, you have this diagnosis. However, this still is not normal. Um, and so, you know, things would often go missed. And so I was often the, the, the liaison between the parents, the primary, the pediatrician and then the GI specialist and, and kind of helping to get them where they needed to be. Um, for the older kids, then we're looking at issues like bedwetting, um, which more often than not possibly linked to constipation. So if they're having any bedwetting issues, if they are um, leaking. So if we've had a kiddo that's been dry, been continent for some time, and then all of a sudden they're leaking again, you know, it's like, hey, what's happening? <laughs> All of a sudden we're leaking and it could be due to a number of factors so if they're school age we also want to look at the school environment you know are they being teased are they being bullied is there something going on is there some anxiety that's leading because it may be more than just a physiological or you know physical thing um and so we want to be mindful of that and again helping parents to navigate that um in those cases then actually you know giving them strategies to help the kiddos um seeing the kiddos um for if you know and we don't do anything internal on kids you know sure. you you should never be a child's first we don't do anything internal on kids um and so we work externally um like you, you do a lot of visceral massage so i'm looking at all the tissues i'm looking at the abdomen i'm looking at posture i'm looking at function um, I'm looking at those breath patterns. If they do have muscle tightness, I'm looking at ways to functionally facilitate, you know, more um, pelvic mobility, more um, ability to relax the muscles. There may be some biofeedback involved. So there are other things that I'm going to do to ensure that we can achieve the same result and we don't need to go internal. Um, as they get older, the issues may change. So we could still be dealing, you know, we're talking prepubescent, we could still be dealing with a kid that's bedwetting. Um, we could still be dealing with a kid that's, that possibly is incontinent, although not usually, unless they've got some other um, underlying issues going on. But what I'm seeing with the prepubescent kids is now you're getting into your middle schoolers, 
um, usually athletes, are they participating in a sport? Are they leaking? Like my gymnasts, you know, so roundabout late elementary, early middle school is when those super competitive gymnasts are really doing some heavy work. I mean, like they're training five days a week, if not more. Um, they're in the gym three, four hours a day. Like they're, they're doing a lot. It's like a full-time job. Mm. Um, and if they're doing a lot of tumbling, also your cheerleaders, because a lot of cheerleaders are doing a lot more tumbling now. Um, so if you're looking at your competitive cheerleaders, um, are they leaking when they're doing these routines? Um, so some of them may be coming to me and the parents are like, yeah, my kid's leaking. And it's like, hmm, tell me a little bit more about what's going on. What are they doing? Are they involved in sports? What activities are they doing? And we start kind of breaking down what's going on so we can kind of address the underlying issues. Um, also at that, you know, pre-pubescent, pubescent age, we're having young ladies starting to going to um, see in their periods, you know, menarche is starting. And so that may come with a whole nother set of issues, you know, um, initially it's okay for them to be irregular, but a lot of little kids that age, you know, now they're complaining of abdominal pain. Now they're like, they've got these painful periods. Um, and, you know, outside of that first year where your body's still trying to regulate, you might have some discomfort. But it shouldn't be discomfort so much so that it's pulling you out of school. And, you know, statistics have shown that the, the most popular reason for girls to miss school is because of the menstrual cycle. Um, yeah. You know, it's also one of the most popular reasons why women will miss work. You know, um, you've got grown women missing work because of menstrual pains or, you know, pelvic pain, abdominal pain, things like that. So looking at that, seeing what's going on, are we dealing with, you know, as we start to monitor these symptoms, are we dealing with uh, potential endometriosis? You know, oftentimes it's not diagnosed early. And again, getting the parents, so not only working on them physically, but getting the parents aligned with the practitioners that they need to. Oftentimes parents are like, well, do I go to a regular gynecologist? And you're like, no. We need to find somebody that specifically specializes in this. Um, as we get to the older teenagers, then we've got kids who may be more sexually active. You may find higher incidences of things like UTIs, but is it really a UTI? Because oftentimes a lot of doctors are quick to prescribe an antibiotic without even culturing to see if it truly is a UTI that we're dealing with. We've got a lot of young ladies that, you know, again, they're sexually active. So now they're having this burning, this itching, you know, is it yeast? Is it bacterial vaginosis? Again, but oftentimes, instead of being cultured, they're being given medication, um, which may or may not address whatever they're, they're having. And so what's really going on? So helping, right. helping parents navigate this, helping young ladies navigate this, safe sexual practices, um, because I said, look, I can't stop you. I at least want you to be safe, um, you know, and then looking at girls, young ladies who are having pelvic pain, issues with pelvic pain, maybe they go to insert a tampon and they find that to be extremely painful. Maybe they go to have their first, um, their first time, you know, sexual intercourse and it's extremely painful. Um, they're having pelvic pain. Oftentimes they'll just dismiss it and probably never do it again. But then, you know, then they become an adult and now they're married and they're like, oh, wait, that was related <laughs> to the pelvic pain yeah. I'm having now. I was like, yeah, yeah, well, it was. And that's why I am loving this podcast because I'm learning so much. And mm -hmm. like I said, when in some of our correspondence earlier, I know that there's a lot that I don't know, which is why I want to bring in all these, you know, different women to just share. 
and I just learned about vaginismus. Now I knew that there was a condition, but I didn't know that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. And the expert that I spoke with, she suffered from it for 15 years and never did anything. Cause again, you know, I don't know how men feel because I'm not a man, but I just wonder why in the world do we have so much like shame and embarrassment all the time, you know? And, and I mean, I know why it's the culture, it's, you know, media, all that stuff. But I like that you incorporate so much more than just the physical because I do physical, I do energetic, I do, you know, I use my intuition and I just try to get them a well-rounded healing session, you know, and I feel a lot of times like the emotional and energetic aspect is so much more important to, I guess, get a, get a grasp of first and then the healing, the physical healing just kind of happens. I agree with you. My, my motto is it is rarely just the symptoms, meaning that you can have a client, especially, I mean, again, I work with a lot of the clients I see come to me with chronic pelvic pain with primarily their, their issue is I'm having pain with sex, you know, and it's heartbreaking when I've got a 24 year old, I live in Georgia, very conservative state. It's heartbreaking when I've had, you know, when I've got a, a 24 year old that's coming to me, essentially a newlywed because they've been married maybe a year, maybe less, possibly two. And they're coming and they're saying, sex is painful. I feel like my husband is going to leave me. We can't do it. I hate it. I'm miserable. Like, no, first of all, sex shouldn't be painful. It should be enjoyable. Second of all, you are a newlywed. You should be enjoying your, your, your life. You should be enjoying Mm -hmm. your spouse. Like this is a time of, of exploration. This is a time of adventure. You know, like there's so many, it's because it's a new time and you want to explore and lean into what's going on. You shouldn't be like miserable. And and the last thing you should be saying is I feel like he's going to leave me because of, you know what I mean? So usually it's rarely just the pelvic pain they're coming in with. Sure. It's the feelings of lack of self-worth. It's the doubt. It's the anxiety associated with it. It's the feeling like my body has failed me. The, the, the mental load that chronic pain puts on a person mm-hmm. is crazy. Right. And, and they don't know where to go because I had a young lady. When I met her, she was just celebrating her first wedding anniversary. and. The reason why she reached out to me, she found me through a Google search because she was mad at her doctor who told her that same week, you just need to relax. Like you, you just need to relax. It's new. You hadn't had sex before. It's supposed to hurt. Okay, but 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 they've been married almost a year though. Like it shouldn't still be hurting at this point. I mean, heck, the first time shouldn't have hurt either, you know? Um, unless the husband just didn't know what he was doing. But you know, like it it shouldn't be painful. It shouldn't be painful. It should be an enjoyable and pleasurable feeling. Sure. And you are telling this young woman this is all new to her, whole new world. And you are like making her feel horrible for what she's going through. Right. By telling her, you just need to, you just need to relax. You know, it, it's, it's going to hurt because it's still yeah. new stuff. It's and the she culture of silencing. We just have to be silenced about everything. About everything. Don't rock and the boat. And she <laughs> calls me and 
I mean, we we hadn't even been into the conversation like two, three minutes. Like, because I'm, you know, I'm asking, I'm like, okay, well, tell me a little bit more about what's going on before the boohooing started. And I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus. Like, I feel like I'm still hormonal. I mean, my babies aren't that old. Now you start crying. I'm going to have to go grab me some Kleenex. Like, (laughs) wait a minute, you know? And I, I mean, like, I'm on the phone sobbing with her. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm a sympathetic crier, so I. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. And I just let it go. I don't try to hide it. I don't try to look pretty. I'll ugly cry in front of anybody. No, I'll I'll ugly cry right along with you. I I keep Kleenex always on stock yeah. in the office. You know, I keep try to keep Kleenex next to my computer, even for home visits, because I will cry right along with you. But I mean, it it was heartbreaking because again, this is a young woman getting ready to celebrate her first wedding anniversary. And this is what she's having to endure. And she's not the only one. You know, oftentimes, you know, we know that women will go to anywhere from seven to 10 different doctors when they're having chronic pelvic pain or they're having pain with intercourse before they find somebody who says, here's what's going on. A lot of the times they're dismissed. I've known clients. I've known friends who have been told by their doctor, you just need to relax some more. You just need to stop tensing up so much. Go drink some wine. You know, you're, 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 you know, you're thinking too much about it. Stop overthinking the situation. Like, like, you know, there's nothing wrong. Right. And I'm going, really though? I had one young lady who told me she got an x-ray of her pelvis and they told her, well, there was nothing wrong. I'm like, I'm sorry. You're not going to see anything on an x-ray. No. You're not going to, so I don't even know why that was the, 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 you know, the, the, the image of choice or why we were even doing any type of diagnostic imaging. Like you're coming to them because you're having pain with intercourse and they choose to do an x-ray. Well, that's rich. (laughs) Right. Your bones are all there. So there's nothing wrong. Nothing's wrong. And and I was kind of wanting to get your take on this because I know through, you know, through my research and working with clients with endometriosis that on average it takes, you know, seven to 10 years to get diagnosed in this country with endometriosis. What I want to know is why now do you think, are we still taking so long to diagnose when you can literally Google the effing symptoms and it'll tell you what it is? Like why, why? Is it still taking that long when the research is there and it's literally at our fingertips? So there, there are few reasons for that. For one, we've got too many clinicians who are not ever going to say, I don't know. I don't know. Let me refer you. Yeah. I'll tell people all the time. If I don't know what the heck is going on with you, trust me when I tell you, I will be the quickest person to refer you. I will never profess to know everything, but I know there's somebody out there who doesn't. We will find that person. Right. I'm the same we will, way. We will get you to that individual. And I think that, you know, I tell women all the time, especially women with endo, all GYNs are not created equally. They're just as with any other profession. Gynecology, I mean, you're dealing with, with, the the organs you're dealing with the pelvic organs each of those pelvic organs have different functions right you're not just dealing with with um you know not only sexual um and and the sexual organs and reproduction but you have to have an acute awareness of what's going on with the bladder with the bowels 
I'm not saying you have to be a specialist there. And again, there's some GYNs who may not be aware of any type of dermatological changes. Like they may not be the one that you want to go to if you are having these skin changes because they may be like, oh, well, there's nothing going on that's normal. You might need to see a vulvar specialist. Again, there may be some GYNs who are just more general in nature and aren't going to be very versed in dealing with pelvic pain or, or, you know, chronic pelvic pain issues, you know, you might be coming to them with pain with sex. Somebody else might be coming to them because of other pain. And that person might have vestibulodynia. Somebody else might have clitoridynia. Like you may have all these different pains in different areas of your vulva. Right. And, you know, your symptoms may be a little bit different. What is the reason for that? How do we address it? And so your GYN may not be the best person. You may have to go to a specialist in that. Again, then they're urogynecologist. So if we've got bladder issues going on, if we've got prolapse issues, they may be more versed and they're going to be the ones who are doing a lot more testing than sometimes the general GYNs. So again, it, it pays to know the skill sets of, yeah. of the person that you're going to because if they're not the right person, they're not the right person. It doesn't mean that they're not good at what they do. Sure. But they may not be good at what you need at that right. time. Um, and I think that's one of the issues because oftentimes women are subjected to ablation. Women yes. are told, you've got endo, let's do a hysterectomy, which still baffles me to this day because for those of, of you who are listening, endometriosis is a, is a condition where endometrial-like tissue, so that the tissue that's lining the uterus, the endometrium, it's, it's similar, grows on the outside, grows on the outside of the uterus. So it's not inside the uterus. So if we do a hysterectomy and we take the uterus away, it doesn't take away the endometriosis. So now you've subjected this woman to this surgery, to this incision, to this healing process, to scar tissue, to all these different things without possibly even remotely addressing the actual problem. But that's still a go-to for a lot of physicians. Well, and I had an experience. So I had the Esher implant placed several years ago. And I, thankfully I did not have any of the really awful side effects. Um, if any of you are listening, if you have the Esher implant and if you are experiencing anything abnormal, please check it out. You may want to have it removed. Just saying. So they pulled it off the market. I saw the story on Good Morning America and I took a, I took a picture of the TV. I called my doctor and I said, I want these out and I want them out now. You know, so in order to do that, they have to remove the entire fallopian tube, which I mean, I wasn't having any more babies. That was cool with me. But from the time that I called and said I wanted them removed to the time I was like, you know, in the surgical room, IVs going, they're ready to put me under. They asked me four times if I also wanted my uterus removed. And I told them every time, no, I don't want my uterus removed. Why do I have to remove my uterus? Well, we have to ask since we're going in there anyway. And finally, on the fourth time, I just said, look, I don't want my uterus removed. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't want my tubes removed, but I don't have another option. And I just outright said, are you just trying to get more money? <laughs> because I don't have to pay for the tubes to be removed because it was recalled. And there, there was silence. Nobody said anything. So I'm like, I think we got that situated. I want to keep my uterus. Thank you. <laughs> 
It, yeah, you've got to do your due diligence and really do the research. If you're having issues, you know, find the specialists that are going to help. If you're, if you're a woman deal, and I'm very passionate about endometriosis because there's so many women who are suffering, who've been misinformed, who have had procedures that they had no business having, which have done nothing for their endo or cause it to be worsened. And for those of you out there listening, there are tons of resources, man. Please look on Facebook. There is the endometriosis summit. Is it .com or .org? But go Google endometriosis summit. Um, um, what is her name? Um, Sally, 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 Sally. I can't remember her name right now, but she's an amazing physical therapist and that's her specialty. Um, and she does really great work, really great work. She's up in New Jersey. Um, there is a center for endometriosis care here in Atlanta. Um, Dr. Sinervo, Dr. Arrington, they're freaking amazing. Oh, that's so good. Amazing. So good. Capital letters, bolded, underlined, stars, exclamation marks, amazing. So if you need, if you need a specialist and center for endometriosis, that go there all the time. I mean, they're coming from outside of the country. They're, you know, so there are lots of options. There's, um, oh gosh, her name is escaping me now, but there's another really awesome physician out in California. But the point is they're resources and there are people right. out there who specialize in this. Um, same thing, if you are having vulvar issues, you know, um, the Center for Vulvovaginal Diseases up in DC, they also have an office in New York. Amazing. Dr. Goldstein, Dr. Jill Kraft, they are freaking amazing. You know, you are having issues with, with um, sexual function. Dr. Rachel Rubin, amazing. So there are tons of physicians out there with all of these subspecialties that if you are a person experiencing um, any issue that you can, you can find them. And we, again, we've got everything at our fingertips now. Guys, I, I will tell you, do not go to Dr. Google, who is well known for giving everybody cancer. Don't go to Dr. Google, mm -hmm. you know, to, to look for what you've got. But certainly you can utilize it to find those resources and to find those specialists and then consult with them and, and see what your options are. And the, the names that I just called, all of them, hands down, would be the first to say, hey, here's somebody in your area or, you know, or kind of guide you what, what your next step should be. They're very awesome physicians. God bless them. So we've got great people out there. Uh, we also have some people who may not be so great. Well, and the thing too is that people don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they should ask. They don't, I mean, because we just expect that our healthcare professional, a lot of us, you know, just expect that they're going to know the answers. And mm -hmm. I mean, they're, you know, they're just not, they, they can't, we can't know everything. So just having the resources, I mean, just to even ask. You know, mm -hmm. to know what to ask or to know who to ask, um, especially because sometimes, you know, when you do ask at first, you know, maybe you get shot down right away or you just kind of get blown off like it's not a big deal. And and, and it is to you, you know, and, and another thing, too, is they don't have the time. I mean, I can sit down and have a 90 minute one on one with the client. I mean, your general care practitioner is, does not have that time. Which, which lends me to another point. I think, you know, a lot of people are always, and I know they talk about like pelvic therapy and a lot of people go, you know, why are you out of network? I said, because if I were in network, I couldn't see you for an hour or an hour and a half. I have evals that run. My evals are typically an hour, but if my eval goes over, 
to an hour and a half. I don't charge my clients extra for that. You know, right. if, if that's what you need, that's what we do. You know, I have provisions in my schedule for it, but if that's what you need, then that's what you do. I do home visits with clients. I can't tell you how many times I have seen a client and like they have, they've been sobbing because they've been dealing with something for so long. And this is the first time that somebody has listened to them. And part right. of me being there is like, I'm just, I'm not going to just bail on them. You know, I listen to them and they're right. sobbing and I, you know, I'm there like, you know, right along with them. You're not going to get that in a traditional healthcare setting, insurance-based healthcare setting right. because you are limited based. by a what the insurance is going to allow what the insurance is going to reimburse and then what you are then therefore able to do and so a lot of the times these people are limited in how long they can see even the physicians they're limited in how long they can see people in the office if they're taking insurance so they come in for five minutes and people get mad at them but like you want an insurance-based physician that's what you get Either right. that or they overbill the crap out of you. So you end up paying more with the dang the daggone insurance than you would if you were seeing somebody oh, privately, you know? Right. So what, when you're looking at your providers, also look at the service, the true service that they're providing. Not every provider is going to have an hour or an hour and a half to sit down with you mm -hmm. and to go through a thorough history or to go through, you know, to really give you the guidance and the outline of what you need like you're not going to get that everywhere so right. first and foremost you know look at what it is that you need and and then base your decisions on that right do you well you must do you educate about hormones i do i do i see a lot of women who are going through perimenopause and menopause and so with a lot of the changes um, we talk about that also for a lot of a lot of my clients who are postpartum who are having issues with weight gain, um, which is where a lot of that coaching comes in. Um, a lot of the times I'm like, all right, well, we really need to look at, we need to break this down because yes, you're having problems. They're like, I'm, I, you know, I've tried to exercise. Okay, good, good. That's, that's a great first step. What else are we doing? But then we have to break down and look at, okay, how are we eating? You know, what is, what else is going on? You know, likewise, you know, is there stress? Are you sleeping? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? So we kind of have to look more comprehensively because all of these things can affect that hormonal balance and can be contributing to, you know, for example, for a lot of the women who may not be able to lose weight, some insulin resistance and things of that sort. So just looking at those things, you know, for the menopausal women who are, you know, now coming to me because they're like, sex is painful. Or, you know, I've been fine up until like last year when all of a sudden I started having this heaviness and now they have a prolapse because again, now they're having tissue changes as a result of some of these hormonal changes and things of that sort. So I do go over those things with some of my clients, especially if that's what, what their underlying issue is or what they're coming <laughs> in for. Sure. Yeah. Hormones are a very complicated beast. <laughs> they sure are. They, they sure are. And what sure I'm learning too is that, and, and again, this is so fascinating because a lot of this information has just been out there. I've just never, you know, knew it. So most of our dietary things that are kind of laid out for us are actually based on men's needs. And they are not based on women's needs because men have a 24-hour cycle, hormone cycle, and we have like a 28-ish hormone cycle. 
So we can't, we can't exercise like men. We can't eat like men, but all of our nutrition standards are based on men. I didn't know that. So, I mean, we literally have to learn an entire new way to eat. And, you know, when during our cycle should we lift or when during our cycle, you know, should we maybe do more cardio or not eat something or eat something. And also after you have a baby, man, just let yourself be for a while. Like, I mean, I think that we have to pay attention to it, but well, C-sections, yeah, yeah. C-sections are a little bit different. Obviously they're a lot different, but oh my gosh, I was. Yeah, I think, I think too with the hormones and, and especially when we're talking about them from the point, the perspective of the menstrual cycle. I mean, that's a whole nother story we can go into. Oh my goodness. But when you're looking like, like I coach athletes, I have my athletes track their periods. Yeah. I want you to track your periods first and foremost, because I need to know when you're on your period <laughs> and if it's going to be at a tournament. Because <laughs> right. I need to know, because yeah. that's also going to change the way that I, I react with you, right? right. Because yeah. I can't hound you if I know, oh crap, shoot, a period's coming. You know what I mean? Like if, if I know and I have that familiar, familiarity with your cycle, I also know that at certain times of your cycle, you're probably going to be slightly more emotional. You're probably going to thrive better, you know, in community. You're probably going to be more energetic versus there are other times you may be a little bit more lethargic and different things like that. So we have to look at that. And I like looking at that for my athletes. The other thing is, is I like to talk to them about nutrition because you've got to eat a certain way to, you know, to, to support that. Right. Um, coming up to your cycle you may be craving more carbs and stuff but is it really what you need right now so what alternatives can we throw in there what 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 things can we can we change to make this a little bit easier for you and a little bit better um so just looking at ways to better support the body but yeah those are things that oftentimes people don't talk about well and the other thing is these are young women who Mm -hmm. are now being able they're being facilitated amazingly by their volleyball coach who also does all these other awesome things but we need to know our bodies we've got to know our norms so i mean i'm telling people like stand in the mirror naked and get a mirror and look down there like we have to know like know what's coming out of your body what time of the month we have to know nothing that comes out of your body is gross and it's telling us a story we have Mm -hmm. to pay attention to that so as you know 18 to 21 22 year old women learning that how important that is now is so imperative because mm -hmm. I'm 40 and I'm still figuring it out. So I know a lot of women that I've seen and in my clinic and, you know, sometimes the first you, usually the first thing I have them do is your homework. I want you to go home. I want you to get a mirror. I want you to get familiar with your own anatomy. Right. You could, you could stand in front of a mirror and you can see your face. You know where your eyes are. You know where your nose is. You know the structure of your face. I want you to become familiar with your vulvar anatomy just the same way. Exactly. Know what's normal for you. Know what's not normal. Don't try to compare to something else. Don't look on the internet and look to see what a normal vulva is. Your vulva is normal. It's normal for you. Exactly. Um, but also giving them the empowerment because, again, like my grandma used to say, you can't be talking about sex and stuff like that. That's not good table conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's like you think about those things and it's, they're not the things that people talk about, you know. Um, even with kids, when I see, uh, when I work with kids and parents are like, 
must they touch their self all themselves all the time, especially when you're talking about a little boy? I'm like, heck yeah, it's his. Let him at it. It's his. It, it's not going to change when he becomes adult because I swear men probably grope themselves a million times a day just to check to see if it's still there. You know, <laughs> it must be a boy thing. They start Adjusting. from very young. But, you know, if we, if we call, put a negative spin on it, that's how they see it. Versus mm-hmm. if we say, hey, what are you holding on to there, buddy? You know, do you know what that's called? You know, like I remember the day I told my son, I was like, Eli, do you know what those things under your penis are called? These things? Wow, what are those? I said, those are your testicles. He goes to his dad. Daddy, I got testicles. <laughs> and my husband, was like, heart. So. my husband was like, I have no words. He's like, good <laughs> for you. But he yeah. finally got some now. He's like, good for you. But I'm like, I want him to feel proud about his body. You know, well, I've got. Yeah, no, I, and I know that you have to run really soon. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to um, share with um, share with us how to find you and if you have any kind of offering or classes or something coming up. But I did want to touch super fast. Um, it is very important to use the proper terminology with your children. Don't yes. call it something funny, you know, like a pee-pee or a wee-wee or a wiener or something like that because um, they can kind of be molded with play names by, you know, perpetrators, by pedophiles. So yeah. teach them the proper names. That way, you know, they, they know what it's called and they don't, if, if it's called something fun, like, oh, you know, let's, let's play with your, I don't know, something cutesy that they call it. Kit Kat. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. I mean, then, you know, then they get confused. So that's, that's important, but please, um, I, I enjoyed this conversation. It was amazing. Definitely, you know, would love to have you on again, but please give, give a shout out to all your juicy goodness. So if you guys need to find me, you can find me at www.jmmhealthsolutions.com, YouTube, dot com slash jmm health solutions facebook is the same um facebook.com slash jmm health solutions on instagram i go my handle is at the pelvic perspective um for those i'm you know and i'm in the process of trying to create more online programs i really want to i'm doing one for moms postpartum so stay tuned but i currently have a program um online for women who are suffering with fluid synthesis dysfunction um, of which there are very many women. Um, so if you are a pregnant mama, um, that program goes over what it is, what things you need to do, what exercises you can do, proper birth positions, and then what you can do after birth um, to help with the issue. Um, I also have a program for women called Caring for Your Body After a Cesarean Birth, which is a pretty in-depth program. We go through um, everything from you know proper postpartum nutrition, to toileting, to um, caring for your scar, managing your scar and scar mobilization tips, um, posture positioning, and an exercise program. And when I say exercise, I use the term loosely because any any movement outside of sitting could be considered exercise. But programming for you to do to help start getting your body acclimated to movement again, starting to restore your body, starting to restore those core and pelvic floor muscles, um, which are going to be super important. So, um, and again, stay tuned for that, that program, that other program coming out for moms. And I'll have one out for the guys too, because I've had a lot of guys going, you talk a lot to the women. I'm like, 
I talk to you guys sometimes too. Um, but definitely, <laughs> I feel like we have, have more conditions. I feel like I feel like we have more stuff, so more can. So yeah, wrong. the so, guys deal with, the not. guys don't have problems as often. But let me tell you, I will say guys make phenomenal patients because when yeah. something is going on, especially down there, oh, they're quick to get it fixed, honey. They they're like, <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. affecting my manhood. You know, yeah, they're very exactly. quick to get it fixed. So um, so yeah, I yeah. you know I really I you know feel free to go ahead find me online, find me on social media, um, and yeah. You know, I look forward to hearing from you guys. If you got any questions, you need to book a session, you can do so on the website. You know, everything's all there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We, we definitely need to do a part two. Definitely. Thank you for joining me today on Women's Pelvis Wellness, where you can be heard. Because remember, if you're not being heard, you're not being helped. Please join my Facebook group by the same name, Women's Pelvis Wellness and join a community of women who are there for you to support you, guide you, and love you through your pelvic health struggles. Also, this is a great place to check out my new class schedule. Thank you for joining me in becoming a pelvis wellness warrior.